Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. So if you have your program, if you haven't figured this out yet, we don't usually have a program because we usually are inside and we can have the screen going, but the songs are in here and on the back is the scripture. So uh, one of the things we also don't usually do here is dress up. I'm just wearing this because it was, uh, I thought it was going to be cold. People from Branches, I don't know what happened to you guys. Like my kids asked me this morning, hey, do we need to dress up? I'm like, no, man, why do you have to dress up? Just because it's Easter. But I guess we have to because it kind of freaked me out watching all these people all dressed up because that's not what we usually do. So if you're visiting, because we know how, we know how Easter works, there's we're, we consider ourselves a family expecting guests every Sunday, but we know Easter there's going to be more guests than usual, whether from out of town or haven't been in church for a while or wanting to get back to be a part of a community of faith, or you just happen to be walking down the street, as we heard. Uh, some of you are actually here because <laughs> they heard the mariachi band. Because <laughs> they came up, they what, is the mariachi band? Wait, do you guys have church? All right, we're coming. So we know some of you are here because of the mariachi band. So, um, uh, nosotros estamos muy... Gracias en mi corazón porque ustedes están aquí. Gracias. All right, so open up your Bibles or your little paper here and the scripture's there. We're going through John 3.16. We've been going through it for the past few weeks, so if you've been here as part of Branches, you're going to hear a few things where you're like, wait, why are you repeating yourself? Because we're trying to culminate it all together on this Sunday and also for those that haven't been able to join us. So I want to pray because um, I have so much to say that I want only what needs to be heard to be heard. Um, don't worry, I won't go long. I know that's always the worry whenever you hear someone with a microphone and they're speaking. And I think that's actually why the team put us outside, because they know that I wasn't prepared with sunscreen and I'll get burnt if I stand here too long. So um, it won't be that long. Let's pray. Father, above all, open our eyes, Lord. Open our eyes, not to Easter, not to this passage, but to you. We surrender to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So when you think about Easter, most people go, okay, yeah, I got Easter. It's that whole thing, so I get to live forever. Got it. And so I need to go, so I'll go, but I need to be reminded. That's not what Easter's about. It's part of it. I mean, Christ has risen. That's why we say that. He is risen. He's risen indeed. I, I wanted the excuse. I didn't want to miss out on that. That's one of my favorite parts. So um, I'm, you may get hit with that again later because that is part of this, but it's more than that. Risen is not just about eternal life. In fact, this passage, John 3.16, which most everybody knows or has heard of, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes, trusts in him will not perish, but will have eternal, everlasting life. And we hear that, we hear it so much, but we miss it. But that passage was Jesus' response to a man that came to him, a man named Nicodemus. as a mouthful, four syllables for his name. And you know that if you have more than two syllables in your name, you're going to get a nickname. So I'm pretty sure they called him Nick, and that's what I'm going to call him for the rest of the time. So if you hear Nick, we're referring to Nicodemus. Nick came to Jesus. He had it all together. He had his life set. He was a man of great power. We know he was wealthy because of the money he spends later on in the scriptures. Um, he's a leader of the Jewish ruling council. He's kind of, as Ron Burgundy would say, he's kind of a big deal. And so he comes to Jesus, but he has to come at night. 
He comes at night because he knows that if he comes during the day, he could lose it all. Because if he's associated with Jesus, he could lose it all. But he still comes because he knows that something's missing. He knows that even though he has all this, that he has the life that everybody else wants, that something is missing, something's blurry, something's out of focus. And I had this um, story that I was going to share this morning to talk about looking at heaven, looking at this passage, and, and seeing it for what it is. Seeing Easter a little clearer, but more importantly, seeing life more clearly. Because Nicodemus comes and he knows something's not right. And the story I had got scrapped because there's such a better one. But it's better because hopefully you're going to leave going, oh, so this, this is a little more what full life is supposed to look like. Because we're not just talking about eternal life. It's everlasting life. And there's a difference. There's a fullness there. Um, there's a couple here. I'll let you know they're within the first six rows. I'll just tell you that. And um, I was, the other night I was telling them what I was going to share at Easter. And they said, oh, that reminds me of this. And I went, oh, that's what I'm going to share. Because they were saying that they would go to the movie theaters. And the husband was telling me the story. And I confirmed with the wife. She goes, uh, actually, it was even worse than that. They would go to the movie theater, and she would be watching the movie. And she's like, oh, I hate this theater. It's so blurry. Like, what is their problem? Like, we paid good money. You know how much a movie costs, right? And blurry? So her, she'd look over her husband, and he'd go, um, it looks really clear to me. Ugh. So she went out, went to the front. I need my money back. I cannot believe you do this. And just... Told them what's up. So I even asked her, I said, what was the movie? She said, I can't remember. I walked out. It was so blurry. So she got out and um, she ended up going to the doctor and finding out that her vision was off. And so she got glasses. Oh, so it's not the movie. It's not the theater. It's my eyes. It's kind of Nicodemus here. Nicodemus thinks he has it all together, but things are a little off. But now he realizes, oh, I'm not seeing clearly. Because Jesus said, you need to be born again. You need to start over. All this stuff you built up, you got to scrap it, and you got to start over. Easter is a reminder to us that that's what this is about. Not just about starting over, but about this new, full life. How many of us are sitting here on earth going, you know what? There's got to be more. Even some of you that have a faith in Christ, you're like, you know what, There's, it's blurry. Like, is this it? Because that's what Nicodemus felt. That's why he came to Jesus. He goes, we know that you are a rabbi, a teacher sent from God, because no one can do the things that you're doing, which means he's coming on, what am I missing? What else is going on that I'm missing out on? And then Jesus says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So see, he's not talking, he, he didn't say, hey, look, how do I get to heaven? That wasn't why Nicodemus came. He was talking about life here and now. And I know that many of you are feeling this and sensing this, going, what, what else is there? And hopefully as we look at this passage this morning, as we sit here in Easter, you're going to see things a little bit differently than you did before. Hopefully Easter itself will open your eyes. So on the back of your program, open it up, John 3.16. And we're going to focus on this everlasting life. Some of your Bibles will say eternal life. Some will say everlasting life. They're the same. What you need to know here is that it is forever. I want to make sure you hear that. We are talking about eternal life. That is part of it. 
But this is how someone said it, and I like the way they said it. They said, eternal life describes this salvation that God gives to those who trust and serve him. It denotes not only the length of time, not only the duration. It, does, it denotes not only the length of time that God's favor extends to his people, but also the quality of existence that they may enjoy as they worship and serve him. It's not just about the duration, but about the quality. And it's meant to start right now. I mean, think about it. Is if Nicodemus is looking at his blurry life, maybe like some of us are looking at our life, and if this life as it is now extends forever, what a bummer. You know what I mean? Like, if I want my life to go forever, I want it to be good life, not just like, eh, kind of so-so life going forever. So what Jesus is telling Nick right now is, look, man, I came so that you can have life, real life, the full type of life. So it does go forever. This is what uh, John 6.40 says. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last day. As we say often here at Branches, death is meant to be an event, not the end. So I don't want to take that away. But that's not just what this is about. Jesus rising from the dead, Jesus talking to Nicodemus and saying, I so love the world that I came, is not just like, hey, this is something you're going to get later. You're supposed to have it right now. This fullness is supposed to happen here and now. Jesus says later in John 10, 10, he says this. He says, I've come so that you can have life, this life that he tells Nicodemus about. I have come so that you can have this life and have it to the full. If you leave this morning, if you only hear one thing I say, I want you to hold on to that word full. It's pretty much one of the coolest words in the Bible. It's pretty much one of the coolest words for Easter and for life. It's parison. And what it means, it means overflowing life. It doesn't mean that you kind of fill the glass pretty close to the top. It doesn't even mean you fill it to the top. It doesn't even mean you fill it and it just kind of goes over the top. It's like a font where it just keeps going over and over. It's like where, you know, you, you're sitting there and you put, if you have one of those fridges where you put the cup in and you're filling water and you start talking to people and you forget what's going down and pretty soon it's overflowing over the top. That's what that means to have fullness. I have come so that you can have life and have it to the full. Overflowing where it just keeps coming over the top. If you've ever been over to my house before, my wife makes way too much food for everybody. Full. She wants everyone to leave full. And not only are they going to leave full, but she's going to leave giving them food to take as they go. And everybody says the same thing. Well, not the guys. But the women all say the same thing. Oh, no, no, no. It's okay. You need it. You keep it. And Steph has to say, no, seriously. Like, it's, I can't even fit it in my fridge. We're overflowing with food. You need to take it because I have more. I want to give it away. Jesus said, I've come so that you can have life and have it to the full, overflowing. If you don't experience that, either you don't know Christ or it's been covered up. It's been covered up with our imitation life because you may have this everlasting full life, but you filled it in with the imitation life around it and it's covered up so you can't see it. You can't experience it as much. Since we're already in my kitchen, it's like we get if it's imitation life, it's, it's, it's covered up, it's harried, 
It's like my teenage boys when they're eating. We're in my kitchen still, right? So Steph has made too much food. She doesn't just do it for other people. She does it for us. In fact, I look at our food bill and I'm like, seriously, what are we doing here? We got to calm down. But no, she wants it to be full. And it's a good thing because men, and especially young adults, teenagers, they got a food problem. And in my house, the boys will sit next to each other. They've got to sit next to each other because they've got to see how they're doing because they'll start eating and they've got a full plate already, but they're looking to see because they know that in the stove right in front of them because it's one big counter table and the stove's in the middle, they're eating, they're looking at what food's there. It's, there's plenty of food there, but it's like they don't remember. They look and they're racing and they're not tasting the food. They're not experiencing the food. They're racing to get through it and they're stressed. They're fearful. They snap at each other. They get angry. And then they want to finish so they can get to the food in time before the other one does because he might get there and take more and there won't be enough. That's, there's going to be plenty. There's always been plenty. There's always been a fullness there. But sometimes they get lost in their hunger or in their greediness. Sorry, Zeke, you know what I'm talking about though, right? Yeah, you know. And sometimes that's how we live our life. We live our life in such a way that we're like harried. We're in a hurry. And you may know this truth. You may have made your decision to follow Christ, but then we fill it in with that imitation life. And you can tell it's happening because you're in a rush or you're afraid. It wasn't meant to be that way. Jesus said, I have come so that you can have life and have it to the full. And this life was meant to start now. I have come so that you may have life, have in the present, right now, not in the future, not something to wait for, to have it now. For God so, so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have in the present tense this full life. We're not meant to wait for this. It's here and it's now and it's meant to be grabbed. And my question is, are you ready to grab this? Do you really want this life or are you satisfied with life as it is now? But if you see life and you know it's the least bit blurry, then you know what Nicodemus was thinking. You know what was going through Nick's life. And so Nick is sitting here with Jesus and Jesus says to him, you need to be born again. You need to start over. This life you've built up, there's a better one. Don't, don't cover it. Or don't replace it with an imitation life. This is the life you were created for. And in this moment of them sitting together, it doesn't say Nicodemus even leaves, but he does. He ghosts out. He just like walks out. You know, that, you know like someone that goes to the party, like me, and then they leave. You didn't even know they left. That's what he does. And so we must go, oh, he must not want to start his life over. Maybe that's where you're at in this journey. Maybe you're at that point where you're like, you know what? I don't even plan for my retirement. Why am I going to be thinking about eternal life? A lot of people think about everlasting life and eternal life like, I'll get to that later. Because if, if people aren't, I mean, more people plan their retirement and fo- put their efforts into that than they do into everlasting life. However, I looked this up just so I could make sure I was accurate on this one. Less than 10% of Americans have a plan for retirement. I know I lost half of you right now. You're like, Wait, have I thought through that? Yeah, okay, I must be one of the 10%. Or, oh, okay, good, I'm with everyone else. People don't like to think ahead. We don't like to think for it. I'll get to that when I get to that. And so Nicodemus, maybe that's what was going through his mind because he just walks out. But it's in his head. 
and he's thinking about it. Maybe that's going to be you this morning. You're like, you know what? I just haven't thought about this. I, got, I need time to think about this. And yet some of you are like Nicodemus later in his life. Because later in, this, in, this, in the word of God, we see that he starts sticking up for Jesus. He doesn't want to make it blatant. He's not even following him. He's just kind of like a fan of Jesus. So he's sitting here with a ruling council, those who are going to sentence Jesus to death. A man that did not deserve death. The son of God who came to give his life away. And so Nicodemus speaks up. He goes, you know what? Maybe, you know, the law says that these people should be able to speak up for themselves. Maybe we should just let him talk for himself. So we see now he's kind of making a little bit of a turn here. Maybe that's where you're at. Like, hey, I'm a fan of Jesus. I think he's cool. But this passage says this. And this is what I want to make sure you don't leave here missing. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have this full life. We cannot let anyone come to branches, someone at branches or visiting, and not hear this. God loves you and he wants you to trust him and to follow him. He's not saying, hey, just believe I exist. Nicodemus is staring at Jesus. This is all I got to do? You're here. Of course you exist. I believe in you. You're standing in front of me. That's not what, it, it's not evidence that he had blood, that he had skin, that he walked. It's more than that. It's trusting him with your life. It's that word to believe means to trust, to surrender, or probably a word that makes more sense to us, to comply. Like, right? That, that, like, comply with the law, comply with taxes. Like, do what he says. Do not lean on your own understanding, but trust him in everything you do. Personal experiences that I know from my life. Decisions whether to buy a piece of property or sell a piece of property. To pay someone or not pay someone. To get married, to break up with someone you're dating. To have children, not have children, what school to go to. Whether to change jobs. That's trust. That's putting it all in him and saying, look, you know what this life was meant for, Father. And I trust you. That's what it means. And Nicodemus, we know, eventually gets to that point. Because at the end, when Jesus has been crucified and he's going to be buried, a guy named Joseph, nobody called him Joseph, a guy named Joe, went to bury him, asked for permission, and then Nicodemus comes over. Nicodemus, who would only show up at night or in the shadows, comes in the straight middle of the day and brings 75 pounds of these expensive, expensive spices to bury him. So now everybody knows, wait, this guy on the ruling council, he's with Jesus? Why would he do this? Why would anyone make the risky decision that he's doing? Because he knows how much God loves him. Those words, for God so loves you, so loves this world, that he gave his only son. And he sees that Jesus gave up his life. And so now he comes out in the daytime, willing to risk everything for this full life. And get this. Jesus hasn't even risen from the dead yet, and he's willing to do this. Can you imagine his response when Jesus rises from the dead, and he's like, what? <laughs> Guaranteed there were cuss words that came out of his mouth. Not because he was angry, but because he didn't have words. Like, holy, what in the what? I mean, imagine that. Imagine that joy. He was willing to change his entire life just based on God's reckless love for him. And now he can see that death has been conquered. He didn't even know that was part of the deal. But he sees it now. He's like, oh, for God so loved the world, eternal everlasting life. Oh, so this isn't just a new life. This is like forever life. 
It's both, and it's meant to start right now. And the only thing that's going to make you want to start that new life is knowing his love. When you know that love, that's what's going to push you to turn everything upside down. Nick wasn't willing. He's a normal human being. That was a lot to sacrifice, to change your life, to trust this Jesus. But he did. So I don't know where you're at in that journey, but we want to give you the opportunity this morning for you to make that decision. Or maybe you're like, no, I still got to check this stuff out. Or maybe you're at the point of like, I'm a fan. Or maybe you're at the point like, no, I'm, I've heard this enough. I know this. I don't know everything. I don't have it all figured out, but I know. And maybe this is the morning that you make that decision. Easter 2017. So when we have our worship time, I'll give you some direction in that when I bring the, the band back up. But I want to close with this. If this new life is going to start with his love, then I want to make sure that's the last things you hear come out of my mouth. It says, for God so loved. That word so does not mean he loved you a lot. That word so means in this way he loved you. Because you can't put more on top of that word love. As we've been studying and talking about here, that word love is agape, which means it's, it's this reckless love that is not asking for anything in return. It's not an emotional love, although that is involved. It's a decision. And in God, it's in his nature. God loves us, not because he's expecting anything back from us, but because he loves us. Because he has this affection, this affinity. He's completely full. He does not like, oh, I'm bored. I need some people around. Poof. That's not what he did. It's because he has this overflowing life, this overflowing love. We were created in his image. We were meant to live in that same way, that we want to share, that we want to give away. And so he gives us this love. And so he so loved means in this way he loved. He gave his life. This has never been more clear to me than last year when I was wearing this shirt. And I didn't have a sweater over the top of it. And I had just gone through this experience. I know I say this a lot, but hey, it's pretty much the only message I got now. I think it's the only reason I'm still here on this earth. I was on my deathbed and God made it so clear to me that he loves us. And in that moment, the question was asked to me by the Lord, do you want to come home or do you want to stay? And it was the first time in my life that I realized when everything else was stripped away, because everything was stripped away, health, all that stuff, they told me, hey, I don't think you're going to be able to eat sushi anymore. So? That's not real life. That's cool. That's nice. But that's like imitation life. Oh, you might not be able to surf again. That's not life. I know what life is now. And it's not breathing. And I was in that moment, he says, do you want to come home or do you want to stay? And I was surprised at my answer. I want to stay. Why? Because I was experiencing with everything stripped away that everlasting life and I knew it was overflowing and I want to share it with other people. That love, you, when you see it and feel it, you want to give it away. You're not worried about all the imitation stuff around. That's great to enjoy, but that's not the full life that we're talking about. The full life we're talking about it's like any of my three children, any of you that have kids or have had kids or have held children, when you're a parent and they're a baby. I mean, I, I, I think of those moments when I had my kids, I'm like, I'm not good enough to be a dad. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough to be a follower of Christ. And yet here I am caring for this child. And I heard a story of someone in a similar place and they were dying. Similar to me, I guess. It wasn't me. It was someone else and they were dying and they, they were worried that they hadn't loved God enough 
and they didn't have enough affection or feelings towards God. And so they knew heaven was coming and they're like, ah, I feel like I let him down. I don't know how this is going to work. And one of their friends said this. He said, you know, I'm going to go home and I'm going to hold my little baby girl. And I can't wait to get there. I'm going to stare in her eyes. I'm going to hold her. I'm going to kiss her. She's going to make all kinds of weird, goofy noises. But you know what? She is not going to love me back in the same way. She's not going to love me so good. In fact, my heart could be broken. She's less than one. She don't care. I may be really sick. I may be in pain. She's not going to try to comfort me. In fact, she's not, she's not only not giving to me, she's taking from me. She's expensive. I have to feed her. I have to change her diaper. She's stealing my sleep. This is expensive. But there is no amount of money in the world that anybody could ever offer me to buy my child. She's mine and I love her. Regardless, this is not about what she does for me. This is my love for her. That's the way in which God loves us. And that love is what sets us free, which is what set Nick free to want to pursue this, to trust. You trust someone that loves you like that. I know this sounds horrible. I didn't plan on saying it, but I was going through it with someone this week, and I, I thought, I looked them in the eye and said, if I could kill you right now so you could experience this joy, I would. If I could take you to your deathbed, I would. And I tell you with all love and sincerity, if I could take you to your deathbed right now, I would. So that you could have all that stripped away so that you could clearly see this everlasting full life that's offered to all of us. Because it's more valuable than anything you could ever imagine in this imitation life. This life is beautiful and we're meant to give away. But this new life is meant to start now and go all the way through. That's the fullness of Easter. That's the fullness of what Christ meant when he said, I so love the world that I came so that you can have life and have it to the full. I want to invite the worship team up. And I want you guys to stay seated for right now, please. And um, if you are making this decision, like Nick, to follow him for the first time, then we're going to ask you to stand up. If you've made this decision before, we're going to ask you to stand up. If you've made this decision and you just like, I'm all in, I just need to be reminded, stand up. If you haven't made a decision, be bold and stay seated. There's nothing to be ashamed about. This is not the kind of decision you just make on the fly. This is the kind of thing you think through and wrestle with. This is a big deal. So we know what typically happens. Everybody just stands. Do not feel, even if you're like, no, I already made that decision. I don't feel like standing. Then don't stand. We're not trying to get people to do things to go, look, everybody stood. We want to create a time and a space for you to be with God and decide what you want to do with this. Maybe you've already made that decision. Maybe you're like, why are you waiting? I want to stand right now. Or maybe like, hey, I'm going to leave and I'm not standing because I need to wrestle with this. Or maybe you're like Nick and you're like, I don't even believe this at all. But we want you to take that space. And so for that reason, I asked Hoku, um, she's been writing some songs lately. She would never actually offer to play these songs. I have to ask her with the Deadly Branches text. And so I texted her and I said, would you be willing to share one of those songs? And this is what we're going to be talking about. So this song is not in your program. It's meant as a prayer, and she's going to sing it, the band's going to play it, and then you can pray along with her. At any time during the next two songs, you're invited to, to stand up or you're invited to stay seated wherever you're at.
Amen. I, th I think that should be our prayer as we go out of here, uh, that he is a good, good father and uh, that we are loved by him. Uh, just to reflect on the message, I heard something about Ron Burgundy and uh, competitive eating amongst the Rose kids and that if Bug could kill me, he would. Um, so I don't know what your takeaway is. <laughs> but he said this word full, this fullness of life uh, was the thing that to walk away with today. And I think about it as like that, that Jesus, when he was talking to Nicodemus, it was the kingdom that he was talking about. This way of living in the world, a full way of living. And Jesus would say, look, you, can, you can't even see this way of living, this fullness, this kingdom, unless you're born from above. Start with a larger view. Pull back from the earth. It's bigger than you think. Have a larger view of what life can be like. And in the day of Jesus, everybody was sacrificing to their gods, giving their food, and then giving, spilling the blood of animals in their temples. Even some religions sacrificing their own kids in order to have God on their side so that God would be appeased. And the God in Jesus says, no, 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 no. I'm going to shed my blood to let you know that I've been on your side the whole time. And there's this fullness of life that's available to you in my way of living. But you got to be born from above to see that. That's what we want you to leave here, knowing that God loves us so much that, hey, I know you've had it backwards. I know you're trying to do all these things to get to me. I'm going to do the ultimate thing to let you know I've been with you all along. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be doing a little series at the bottom of your program here. Uh, what on earth am I here for? It's a, it's a pretty big question. And so if you want to walk with us through that, we'd invite you to come back next Sunday. And I'm just going to close with this, and you're going to be a part of it. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Go in peace. Woo!